Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. It is so good to be here in Grand Prairie. Wow. When uh, God put all this on my heart, um, I really felt he told me, you know, the places we should go across the nation, and Grand Prairie just was lit up. I've been here a couple times before, uh, one with uh, the Robinsons, Sammy and Charlie Robinson for a conference, and then was it two years ago, I think, with uh, Rodney Howard Brown for one night as we traveled across the country. Um, He said when COVID hit, he said we should, we did six places, six nights. He said we should have done 12. I said, well, if we knew what was coming, we all would have done more, but but we're here. And um, so let me just, first of all, explain kind of why we're doing what we're doing, because it's really special. And first of all, thank you, Jacob. Um, It's so encouraging for me to know that God has not given up on Canada, that the vision that I received 50 years ago, he's still injecting into this generation. And, um, you know, people in different places trying to figure out what the relationship is we're going to New Brunswick, and I was getting all kinds of messages. They were convinced he's my grandson, and uh, <laughs> he could be. He's the age, but um, I asked him today on the plane, what, what do you see our relationship? And he said, you're my spiritual father. And, um, oh, <laughs> and we are. I, I, um, when I had this um, thing burning in my spirit to do this cross-country tour, I, there was an urgency. We had to do it immediately. I think it, we began around the middle of August, I think, and uh, um, not knowing there's going to be an election called because for the last, you know, we live in Ottawa and we, you know, get lots of news and um, most of it is not accurate, but um, <laughs> we, they've been telling me for the last two years there's going to be an election, going to be an election, so, you know, whenever. So we didn't know that was going to happen. We didn't know all the other stuff was going to be happening, but we knew we had to do it. And uh, so I went to Stephen, who was leading our ministry, and uh, said, you know, what was on my heart. He loved it. But I said, the only way I can do it is if um, I have somebody that travels with me that takes care of absolutely every detail of everything. So all I have to do is focus on ministry. And he immediately said, Jacob. And I said, well, that's who I thought. But um, I wanted him and uh, my daughter who administrates the ministry. Um, My daughter slash mother, she's my mother. She, you know, (laughs) makes sure I I get left rest. And well, that's not working that right. Well, not right now. um, And um, so I said, I want you guys to meet with Jacob and, you know, I said, Stephen will interview you, Meg will interrogate you, and um, apparently it went well because you made it, but Meg said, did, you, did he tell you how it ended? And I said, no. Meg said, if my father dies on this tour, I will kill you. <laughs> and Stephen said, if she kills you, I will resurrect you so, so I can kill you. <laughs> So he really is taking really good care of me. <laughs> it's, it's great. Um, but um, it, it's, he's, he's done great. I have no idea, you know, um, when we're flying, how we're flying, where we're staying, 
And I just don't know anything. And he thinks that's okay. And I love it. I just love it. I just go wherever he takes me. And it's worked out fine so far. So on July 1st, I preached a message uh, from Tampa, uh, a message of hope for Canada. Uh, Daystar TV Canada carried it live. And um, so we knew a lot of people would be watching in Canada. But the response was really overwhelming um, from every part of the country. Uh, we heard from so, so many. Uh, so it was encouraging, but it was alarming too, because this is what we were hearing from pastors, from leaders, from believers all over the country. We'd given up. We thought it was too late for Canada. We'd lost hope until that service. And now we have hope. And we're standing with you, believing for revival. So right after that, we uh, flew back to Canada, my wife and I, and I went right to a camp to, um, to preach, a camp that I've preached every year for the last 49 years. And um, uh, they say they're going to have me, keep having me back until I get it right. So I'm guaranteed <laughs> for, for a long time, yeah. And um, I was out walking early one morning before the morning service. Uh, we were scheduled to go to Israel in uh, early August, Jacob and Stephen and I. It's an annual thing I do. We hike, we climb, we, uh, the mountains, and well, you know, when I say mountains out here, um, yeah. you get the wrong picture, the hills, and, um, um, and pray, and just, you know, so, and it's a highlight for me, and I was really feeling troubled about it. And I thought, why am I troubled about it? It wasn't anything to do with COVID, it wasn't anything to do with security, and I love Israel, I love going, and we've got so many friends there, and, and it just dawned on me. We've been waiting for Canada to open up for a year and a half, and now things were opening at that point. Um, you know, now I'm leaving. It didn't make any sense. So um, I came back to the camp, and I said to Stephen and Jacob, I can't go. I just need to be here in Canada. I didn't know what that would look like, but I just have to stay here right now. You guys go, and they said, no, we're going to wait. So. Um, so it, at that camp, people came uh, to the meetings that had seen the program and had driven in and said the same thing. We'd lost hope, we'd given up until that. And then I came out to Alberta to Moose Lake Camp, north of Edmonton, preached that camp, had an amazing time, and then down to Sylvan Lake, and uh, at the same thing. They, they were saying exactly the same thing. And this started stirring in me. We've got to get this message to every part of the country, and we've got to do it now. Yeah. We've got to do it right away. And so we started almost immediately. It was crazy. And uh, um, so to this point, we've been uh, through British Columbia, Saskatchewan. Um, we finish Alberta here tonight, tomorrow morning, and then Sylvan Lake on Sunday, and then back to Ontario. We, um, we've done on Northern Ontario several churches and uh, did Ottawa this week, Tuesday night. And then um, uh, we're doing Peterborough and where we connected and then Sarnia, Ontario. And then our last trek, it's about the middle of October, we go to Newfoundland <laughs> and uh, Nova Scotia and uh, Prince Edward Island. We finish our last San Angardis in PEI where it all started, which I think is significant. Uh, we, had, we had 
revival in New Brunswick. Yeah. Uh, it was, New Brunswick was phenomenal. We were in Moncton and in St. John. Meetings were over the top. And uh, so we're talking with a group of pastors there about going back regularly um, because something is sparking, something sparking in Canada. I mean, you know, you, you can focus on what you want to focus, but uh, this, is, this is Canada's time. Uh, Holy Spirit's moving. And, uh, you know, um, we want to pray for you tonight. We want to believe God with you and um, all of that. We're in some churches, you know, it's depending on where it is and how it is, we, we can't lay hands on people. But I, I just discovered that Jesus, through Holy Spirit, uh, isn't really good at social distancing. Well, 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 uh, well, I'm preaching. He just is going touching everybody. And so we have seen, it, it really has amazed me that... Um, you know, as I preach on Canada, so many people get healed. Like, I think that's, I like that, but it, it surprised me, really. And we have seen so many notable miracles um, in these meetings that, uh, but both of us really have been feeling that God's going to do something really special here tonight and tomorrow morning. So we're absolutely delighted to, to be here. Um, can I just get this up a little bit uh, higher? I, um, I pushed it down. It was up and I pushed it down and now I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Like, see, this has been really good for me because I've really struggled with liking young, tall, thin guys. <laughs> I, all, I told Pastor Paul today that, you know, I, I, the idea had gone through my mind a few years ago to hire two ugly, old, fat guys. They wouldn't have to do anything. Just stand beside me and wherever I go, and people say, you look so amazing. But, yeah, but I, get, I get this. So. <laughs> so, and, um, so we're, we're just thankful. We're so I was encouraged before the Stand On Guard tour. I'm more encouraged now. I can tell you, because in the midst of everything, there's a people rising up saying enough is enough. And, you know, the one question people are asking and uh, many of my neighbors who would never talk about anything, you know, spiritual, have, have gone out of their way to say, Bill, can, you know, the Bible, like, is this it? Is this it? Is, is this the end? And um, my answer is simply no, no, this is not the end. We are close to the end, and we can see how quickly the end can come, and a world system can come. And like we've seen in our lifetime, what we never thought we'd see in our lifetime, the whole world shut down, the churches shut down in a day, and all of that. But uh, this is not the end. We are on the verge of the greatest move of God that the world has ever seen. Because before the, before the Spirit of God is lifted from this earth and the Antichrist takes over, there shall be an outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all flesh. And so we need to get excited because we are living in the day and the revival has already started. So I just want to warn you tonight, you're going to get encouraged. You're going to get encouraged tonight. Thank you so much, Pastor Charlotte, for hosting tonight. 
I love this place. I, I love it. And, and we had a great time of fellowship, Pastor Paul, today. And um, uh, when I say fellowship, I mean we ate together. You know, <laughs> that's, that's what we call fellowship sounds so much more spiritual than filling your faces, you know. <laughs> Can we just get together for some fellowship? Yeah. <laughs> so it's good. These are our friends. And we love them. We love this place. And, and we've been praying more than ever for pastors and leaders and government leaders. It's an awful time for them. Everything keeps changing. And, you know, it's... Um, but I'm glad you're here tonight because uh, it, this is a great night. And we live in Canada. And Canada's great, but it's going to get greater. And um, I haven't come to talk about covid I haven't come to talk about the election, but let just let me say this. You know, we didn't talk about the election before it was called, while it was on, or during. And so why would we talk about it now? Because it really doesn't matter. Sorry, but it really doesn't matter. It, uh, <laughs> I've, I've been connected in Ottawa since 1972, 50 years, connected with a lot of politicians and we get a lot of opportunities to be with a lot of people from Parliament Hill. And um, the more I'm with them, the more I'm convinced that they're not gonna fix this country. But Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus is. One of the, one of the problems I think that we have is that we really want government to legislate righteousness. And that's not going to happen. That can't happen. They can't do that. And um, the, the platforms and the policies of most of the political parties reflect the condition of our nation. But it's the church that has to rise up. And it's the church that is the righteous. And when revival hits, and it will... And millions are going to be swept into the kingdom of God in Canada. Righteousness will prevail in the land, and it'll affect every part of our nation, including every government. And at that point, abortions will be stopped and, and traditional biblical values. And, but um, we just want them to do it. And we want, we want them to do what the church is called to do. So it's time. It's time. Before we get into the word tonight, and then, you know, we're going to minister to you, um, but many of you will be healed while I'm speaking, so just help yourself. Um, let me tell you a couple of things, because people know, you know, our missions is the north. Stephen's heading to Nunavut um, in a few days. He'll be back up there and uh, dealing with some, you know, crises that's on right now. Um, and he's being called by not only leaders in Nunavut, but First Nation leaders across the country, chiefs saying, can you come? Can you come? We're dealing with suicide. Can you come and give us hope? And uh, so it's a great opportunity for the ministry. And, uh, um, you know, Stephen took leadership, um, Stephen and Becky, what would it be, three years ago, four years ago, whatever, I know there's just a blur, but uh, um, we, we transition because the, what we're doing is too important to stop with us. So, you know, just wise. And Stephen is a son in the faith, and, uh, and nothing really changed at the administrative, but we walked together. And um, 
the the thing that is a little challenging for both of us, we always were together. We always traveled together and ministered together. And then, you know, everything kept growing and enlarging and we have to divide and conquer now. So, well, we're doing this, he's doing the other things and uh, it, it's phenomenal. But um, people question us about why we go north and why the missions, our missions is the north. They asked my wife that years ago, somebody did, why does he go north in the winter time? And she said, he's either very spiritual or very stupid. <laughs> and you know, I never ask, never ask for clarification. I just, that's cute. Um, but she knows why we go. Um, in Bible school, we started ministering to First Nation people and uh, fell in love. And when you fell in love, you just keep doing things. So that's been ongoing for 57 years. But um, it was probably about, I don't know, 49 years ago, 48 years ago, that I first went north to Inuit community, fell in love, fell in love with the people, fell in love with the culture. Just I've learned so much from them. I was communicating with some of the leaders today, and it's... it's um, just, just wonderful people. Some of my dearest friends are Inuit leaders in, the, in government and, and in the church. Um, but the first place we went was in Arctic, Quebec, a place called Pavangnatuk. And uh, we couldn't find any believers there. Uh, there was a church, but nobody went. The Anglicans had a church there, but hardly anybody's going. And, um, but they would say they're Anglicans. And uh, so we, we, we went and um, had meetings in the school. And uh, these were before, you know, uh, satellite television and all the stuff. Uh, so there wasn't much going on. So pretty well, everybody came. And uh, notable miracles started happening. It was phenomenal. Just, I just, wow. And, you know, everybody knew everybody so they knew i mean the man was paralyzed and couldn't walk gets up and runs and the whole community knows him so in three days a good portion of the community had come to christ and had um, been filled with the spirit of god and a church was established really it was phenomenal and uh in shortly after that they said they reported um you know the mayor was a christian the uh, all the um counselors uh, were Christians. Uh, they said about 1,150 were serving God, filled with the Spirit, flowing in God, in the, out of a community of 1,200. So, so it, you know, it was... Trans so I'm at the, I'm at the uh, plane, and they're loading it up at the landing strip, the little plane, and uh, the snow is blowing, of course, and uh, this man comes. I'm so impressed you know, with what we'd done, because I'd said, you know, I'm here because I love you, because I could have been other places, you know, and, and uh, um, people sent me because they love you, and I meant it, and then this older Inuit man came, and he came with an interpreter, in fact, it was a mayor, because um, he couldn't, this man couldn't speak English, and he spoke in Nukchutuk, and he asked me a question, how long have you known about all this? And I said, about what? He said, about Jesus. I said, oh, a long time. Isn't that great? And, you know, he had the fur around his face and the deep lines and the dark skin. And he looked and he said, why didn't you come sooner? And I felt something in my heart. 
And the interpreter said, I'll tell you why he's asking that. He said, see the little cross over there, little white cross sticking out of the ice and snow? He said, that's his wife. She died three months ago. And he believes if you had come three months earlier, she would have been healed. But more than that, he said he'd never heard the gospel of Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus that week, but she died never hearing in Canada. And all of a sudden, I wasn't very impressed. And um, I just looked at the guy. He's right in my face. And I, I just said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I get on the plane, and the plane takes off and circled the village and tips its wings. And my face is against the window, and I'm crying. And I made a vow. God, I'll, I never want to look at another Inuit and have them challenge me. Why didn't you come sooner? And so that just, you know, I don't know. What, what, part, partly guilt, partly just, you know, realizing the need. Um, God is starting building churches and helping raise up leaders and all of that. And then we find out that because, you know, vision, when it's from God, you never get to the end. It keeps growing. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the, the, the scripture that Canada is founded on is, he shall have dominion from sea to sea, river to the ends of the earth. So our mission is the ends of the earth, which is the Arctic. Well, then we find out there's Inuit in Russia, and then their language, their territory means ends of the earth. And um, a friend of mine had said, we didn't know he was prophesying, but he said, uh, uh, a couple of years before this, Frank, every year you keep going farther north. If you keep going, you're going to end up in Russia. And we both laughed. And then he's, he's still laughing, and I'm not, because it happened. So I thought, we got to go. And uh, we have the privilege of ministering to the last nomadic group of Eskimo people in the world. And in Russia, they call them Eskimo, but Inuit, cousins to our Inuit here. And... Um, and they live, they travel with the reindeers and they live in reindeer skin tents and they keep moving. Every week they move, so you have to go out hunting for them. And so the best way to do it normally is to get one of these old military tanks, you get in it and off you go. And um, so, you know, you know you're only going to, you're not going to big crowds, you're going to minister to one family at a time. In fact, we had a service where we ministered to one man at a time. I mean, he was all there alone taking care of the reindeer. His family was way over, and we had a whole service for him. And it was, it was the only service we've ever had. 100% of the crowd got saved. But, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> but, so we, we come to this one tent, and, um, and they hear you coming. And it's, these things are noisy, and they're slow, and they're, you know... Very uncomfortable. The last trip my wife did with me was 46 hours in the back of one of these tanks in February um, to get to a village that had never heard the gospel. And it was so, so good there. But when you're there, you know you're only halfway. When you're finished, you have to get back in the tank and go 46 hours back. And, um, uh, and you know, the closest uh, restroom would be about 200 kilometers away. So... Um, Scriptures take on different meanings, you know. <laughs> One of our favorite texts was, what you do, do quickly. And <laughs> um, so she, she's a trooper. I, I tell you, I, tell, I teach men how to, um, 
how to treat their ladies, you know. I mean, take them camping in Arctic Russia in January. It was, it was about 30 below when we went out and this lovely family invited us to stay with them. Um, and uh, so they made you know, room for us. They're out there with the reindeer and their reindeer skin tent. And so we stayed overnight. It, and this is documented. It went down between 50 to 60 below. That's when the air freezes and you can't breathe. You don't breathe through your mouth. You breathe through your nose and all this. So, and there she was. And she's still with, well, she's not with me now, but she's home, but 57 years. I mean, we've been married. And so just, just, um, just give you, Wayne, just giving you some tips, you know, treat your wife, just, you know, they love it, just love it. Because my wife doesn't like mosquitoes. So there's none, a none. So, so we get to this tent and there's, the man comes out and our interpreter's talking to him and they talk for quite a while and he comes back and uh, Igor said, uh, he's been waiting for you to come. And I said, no, he hasn't. He said, yeah, he has. I said, no, he hasn't. He didn't know we're coming. He said, yeah, he did. He knew you were coming. I said, no, he didn't. He said, listen to what he told me. This guy said, we knew there was a God and we didn't know how to get to him. So every night we'd go outside and we'd look up at the moon and the stars and we would call as loud as we could. Whoever you are, send somebody to tell us how to get to you. And he fully expected somebody to show up to, to tell him. And like, you know, when it's harvest time, folks, it's not just in Grand Prairie, not just in Canada, it's harvest time everywhere. And uh, so the, you know, the hard part there is, is you know, getting there. The, uh, the easy part is just, Winning, winning, reaching them for Jesus because they have no tradition. They've been worshiping idols and most of them have given that up and so there's a void and they just, they just wanna know about Jesus. So, so that really propels me to know that there's still a lot of people saying send somebody. And there's still people that can say, why didn't you come sooner? So somebody said, Why, when are you going to slow down? How can you? How can we when, when it's harvest time? This is the time we've been waiting for. So tonight we're going to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry. The church and leadership has been very gracious letting us take the offering tonight. Uh, this will be taken back to Ottawa, counted in our office, and then um, you'll be receded. But the, you, I think you have offering envelopes on the seats, and um, you're sowing into Canada. You know, it's one thing to um, sing, we stand on guard for Canada. It's another thing to tangibly do something. And this is a, this is a way that we can actually do something. Uh, and so if you're making out checks, you can just make it out to BPEA, just the first initials of the words. Everybody get offering envelopes? Yeah. Wonderful. And then there's other ways. Thank you, Jacob. You can do e-transfers. And like a lot of people apparently are doing e-transfers. And um, it's just info at bpa.com. But I've got to make this clear apparently. If you're doing e-transfers, you need to give your contact information. You need to give your name and address or else there's no way they can receipt you. You get it? 
So Jacob, I told them, right? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and then there is a security question. This is really a tough security question. What country are we believing for revival in? Anybody know? Yeah, yeah. And you can get by text, you can do online, bpa.com and whatnot. But this is just a wonderful way of doing it. So let's pray. Father, we hold in our hand our seed tonight. We sow into Canada by this offering. We say we stand on guard for this nation. We thank you that there's some people rising up that just haven't given up. They haven't lost hope. And they're believing with us. And they're sowing to see Canada saved. So I pray you'll bless them. God, thank you for meeting needs, but thank you that you will return this a hundredfold. Pressed down, shaken together, running all over the place. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go ahead and receive the offering, please. Uh, let me just mention, while that's happening, we've got a thing, resources. We've got the books on healing, six keys to breakthrough and healing. Uh, I'll be teaching on this tomorrow morning. So you might want to pick up a copy and, and use as a textbook. Uh, I think we have a limited supply, so six keys to breakthrough and healing. And the book that I wrote, the first book I wrote on healing, answering some of the questions about healing, To Hell with Sickness. Did he say hell? Yeah. In some churches, this is a different church, but uh, some churches, they, yeah. The teaching starts on the cover. Sickness does not come from God. It comes from the pit of hell. That's where it needs to go back to. And uh, so to hell with sickness. And then the best devotional book in the entire world, entire world, um, it's called Jesus Every Day. One of the main problems and one of the main concerns I have is that Christians in Canada are not reading their Bible. It's really scary. It's really scary. Well, I don't have time. Yes, you do. You have time. You, people have time for what's important to them. People have time for what they want to have time for. And, um, you know, great. I see for, I could fix your time. Right? Turn off the TV for a while. Or, you know, what time do you get up? Get up an hour earlier. Now, all of a sudden, you've got an extra hour. Nothing to do but read the Bible and pray. But the, a devotional book will help you. And that's where your parents started, really, five minutes in the word five minutes prayer. And so, you know, a, a reading for every day and a scripture for every day, and that really gets you into it, and then you start digging more. So Jesus every day. I actually know the author of this. Her name is Gwen Prankard. So, um, so I'm a little partial, but it's really outstanding. Pastors all over the world have told me they get so much material out of this because Gwen is a teacher, and she goes through the layers, you know, and whereas I'm an evangelist, and I just... Skim the top, you know. <laughs> so so it, it's, it's good. We, we actually, every year, Gwen and I go through a devotional, as well as all the other things we're doing for our spiritual life. And we did this one a few years ago because we hadn't actually done it. And it was so good. Gwen looked at me. She said, it's really anointed. She said, I, I can't even believe I wrote that. But it's, it's powerful. So uh, we've got that. And then we've got... Uh, history of Canada, Christian history, a lot of the stuff on there. And then there's some um, testimonies of healing um, on DVDs. 
a small healing school, Healing 101, Gwen's testimony on honor. I'll be talking about that tomorrow. This is the story of the ministry, how it started 50 years ago uh, when I went to Catherine Coleman's service. So Catherine is on this. People that were, the people that were on the bus coming back from Catherine when the revival broke out and then back in the Ottawa Valley, they tell the story. And um, it's, it's powerful. So look at the past, hope for the future. And so all those things. And then, uh, this is so neat. Does anybody know what a QR code is? Yes, sir. Really? Where, where was it I asked and two or three people knew? British Columbia. But we're in Alberta now, so come on. Um, so all of our audio and video, can, you can just take this card and you can purchase online and download them, um, which is really good. Jacob is really wanting me to push this because if everybody did this, he wouldn't have to carry all the heavy cases. Yeah. So uh, this is, but um, um, anyways, that's, you can take a card with you in that. So thank you so much for sowing into the nation. And uh, we promise you that it's gonna go to help say, see suicide stopped in the North, see the First Nation communities ablaze and to see Canada saved. You know, I've been saying for 50 years, in, in fact, this is the year, I'm in my jubilee year of the vision. Um, I was doing television with Dick and Joan DeWart um, a few months ago and talking about this. They said, well, this is, this is your jubilee year. The, it'll be 50 years this coming March. And so this is a good year to see the vision fulfilled. And I've been saying for the last 50 years, Canada shall be saved. And a lot of people say, it can't, can't be. First of all, they say, well, a nation can't be saved. And then they say, well, no, I don't, think, I don't see that. Well, let's talk to Jesus. You see, here's the thing. If you've got problems with the things I shared tonight, please take it up with the management. I'm just in sales here. I'm just telling you, talk to Jesus. Because Jesus said, they said, would you teach us how to pray? And he said, every time you pray, pray that the kingdom will come here and the will of God will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm telling you, if the, if the kingdom comes here to Grand Prairie and the will of God is done here in Grand Prairie as it is in heaven, Grand Prairie will be saved, Alberta will be saved, Canada will be saved. I mean, it's just like that. And so Canada, has a destiny to take healing to the nations, but Canada needs to be healed. And it is God's will to heal Canada. In fact, it's God's will to heal any nation. You know, uh, somebody, a friend of mine said, well, when I think of revival, I think of repentance. Well, I mean, this, this a province in Saskatchewan, they, they've seen mighty moves of God. In, in acts of repentance and revivals of repentance. And that, that's it. I mean, that's what he said. The word says, if my people, like, see here, we want the government to do it. We want other groups to stop doing stuff. God says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal your land. The promise is that God will heal any land 
if God's people do these certain things. It's not, it's not that difficult, folks. It's not that complicated. I mean, we're waiting for God to do something. God says, well, I'll do it if my people will do this. And I'm here to tell you, he doesn't need a majority. He would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah for 10 righteous people. I believe there's more than that here in Grand Prairie. He changed the world with 120 ordinary people. I think he can do it again. So we are decreeing tonight that this place is an upper room and that everybody will be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire and will be a carrier of that anointing in Jesus' name. We were in New Brunswick two, a couple of weeks ago. and I don't know, three weeks ago. We're in New Brunswick, I'm telling you. And uh, we went to St. John, and Jacob knew. He said, you want to go to the cemetery, don't you? It's the only place I go to the cemeteries. Well, there's one in Jerusalem, just outside the walls of Jerusalem. I go there, I go to a tomb there, and it's, it's empty. Why go to cemeteries? There's nobody there, you know? I did, I did a funeral this week while I was home for a precious lady that had been involved in our ministry for years. And uh, uh, so I, I did her funeral. I explained to the family, this isn't her in the box. Like, this is a house she lived in. We're just, we're just committing the body that she lived in. But the spirit is with God. And, and so, you know, why bother going to cemeteries? Because they're not there. And... Uh, but we go to a cemetery in St. John, New Brunswick, and go to the tomb where Samuel Leonard Tilly is buried. And I, I go there every time I go to St. John, and it's, I'm always moved, because he was the first man that had a vision that Canada should be a Christian nation. I mean, long before that, before, before Tilly, before, who was a premier of New Brunswick, the explorers came, and they came with that intent that this would be a nation set apart for God. And some people say, well, we don't have a right to, to, to claim that Canada's going to be Christian. I mean, all these other groups and all these other um, religions. Hang on, folks. Canada's been set up to take healing to the nations. When the power of God starts falling and the miracles start happening and, and the healings take place, millions are going to be swept in the kingdom of God. It's going to take more than just our words and our music and our talking and our programs. It's going to take miracles, signs and wonders through ordinary people. That's why tomorrow morning is so important. I'm doing a healing school tomorrow morning because God said everywhere you go, you know, do the stand on guard, but the next morning do a healing school where you will teach people how to minister healing, how to flow in healing, and raise up an army of healing evangelists in every place. Because if, if every healing evangelist in the world came to Grand Prairie and had a big service, it would be wonderful. People had a big crowd, people get healed, people get saved. The next day, Grand Prairie would be exactly the same. That does not change the culture. An event doesn't change the culture. Services, I'll tell you what changes the culture. Ordinary people 
carrying the fire of God out there, laying hands on the sick. And when they see the lame walking and the, and the deaf hearing and the blind seeing and cancer tumors disappearing and COVID being healed and the dead being raised through your hands, they'll come to Jesus. So that's why tomorrow morning is so important. After, because it's really tragic that we say, well, that person is a healing ministry. Read the book of Acts. They all did. Everybody did. I mean, wherever they went, they serving tables, people got healed. Walking down the streets, shadow healed people. I mean, if we're going to see the book of Acts repeated, then we're going to have to have what they had in the book of Acts, and that's the fire of God and the Holy Ghost just overflowing us. And so tomorrow morning's very, very, very important. So we go to the tomb of Tilly because he was the man that went to Prince Edward Island when they were founding this nation. And they, he read out loud Psalm 72, 8. Happens to be engraved in stone in our parliament buildings over the main entrance under the Peace Tower. He shall have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. Tilly said, this describes the geography and it describes our heart and our vision. And they began this nation with prayer. But when you speak words under the anointing of God, you set something in motion. I believe he set something in motion. And then the explorers that came, John Cabot, Samuel de Champlain, came to Eastern Canada, and Jacques Cartier, they all did it. They planted a cross in the soil and said, we claim this nation for God. It's like when they were you know, looking for gold, put a stake in the ground, and they, that stake said, this belongs to whoever the stake was. This land belongs to God. The planting of the cross gives us a spiritual right to take back what the enemy has stolen. And you know, these people, these people that came as explorers were not just religious people. They came for the primary purpose of reaching the native people for Christ. That was it. I mean, you, you read the history. Samuel de Champlain said to a native chief in... in um, Quebec City, the salvation of one soul to Jesus Christ is of more importance than the development of an entire nation. Jacques Cartier, who founded Montreal and planted the cross, uh, said, you know, every night I'm having services for my crew and the natives are coming. And he said, one night, he said, they carried a native chief who was paralyzed. And he, he said, so that I might lay hands on them that they might be healed. Wow. And he said, he said, it was like Jesus Christ himself was walking through the crowd, just touching and healing everybody. And then out here, my goodness, I mean, uh, you know, you, the Christians that gave their lives for the gospel out here. Yeah. One of my heroes is David Thompson. He did the mapping of the, the mountains, the most treacherous part of our nation, the most difficult. And he said he was doing it so that missionaries could find their way through to reach the native people. This guy came from England when he was 14. He had an accident, lost sight in one eye. And then he fell off his horse and he broke his leg and he was lame. I mean, if, if a young 
blind in one eye, lame guy could do what he did. Because every day he reached natives, he was having services for them. But more than that, he mapped out the whole mountainous area out here. And uh, his maps were so accurate that even though they had better, they had equipment, 100 years later, they were still using his maps. And when I read it in school, what he did, I thought, doesn't make any sense. Because men don't look at maps. Real men don't look at maps. Like, you don't even know what a map is, do you? No. No, because there was a time we didn't have a little box telling us, turn here, turn right. There was, we had my wife sitting beside me, telling me. Well, she still tells me, but any, anyway. Um, so, I mean, this, this is Canada. This is Canada. And so we go to Tilly's grave. It doesn't say he's the father of a founding father of Confederation, doesn't say he's the um, premier of New Brunswick, on his tombstone. This was what he instructed on his deathbed. Just put this. Name, date of birth, date of death, his trust was in Jesus. That's it. He was a preacher who went into politics to make changes, and he did. And we stood there, went with the pastor and his wife, and Jacob and I, joined our hands, and thank God for the people that have paid a great price to believe God for this nation to be saved. And we committed our lives afresh that we will do whatever we can to see that vision fulfilled. Because you see, a nation in crisis needs a church in revival. And so that's the point of this. We're, we're here to spread some fire. And tonight, you know, I believe you're going to be ignited. Tomorrow morning at the healing school, I'll lay hands on everybody because I believe in impartation. And um, I believe you are going to get an impartation of the healing evangelist, the boldness and the passion and the fire. But some of you, some of you say, well, I've already got the fire. Well, we're going to throw some gasoline on it tomorrow. <laughs> and in fact, we're going to do that tonight. One of my... Well, David, here's, here's a picture of Canada. And David went to see his brothers fighting the Philistines. It's a clear picture of our nation right now. They weren't fighting. The army of God was not fighting. They were huddled in fear. They were gripped with a spirit of intimidation. Because every morning and every night, the giant came out and intimidated them. We are the great Philistines. You're the army of Saul. And they believed it. They believed it. And they spent their time either talking to God about how big the giant was or they spent their time studying the giant. They were focusing in on the giant. Smith Wigglesworth said, you'll never pray the prayer of faith if you focus in on the problem. But they were. They were focusing in on the enemy. And the more you do that, the more intimidated you get, the more fear you get, the more afraid you get, and the more you say there's no hope here. It's a picture of Canada today. And David came along. And he didn't know much about giants, and he didn't know much about, you know, the military, but he knew who God was. And rather than talking to God about how big the giant was, he talked to the giant about how big God is. He went right out and he said, there's something wrong with this picture. You see, we in the church in Canada have let other people define who we are. 
We've let the government define who we are. We've let the media define who we are. We've let them out there define who we are. And we've believed it. And we think, oh, we're just fortunate to be able to still meet in our church walls. But just don't stir anything. Some of the leaders in government right now in Canada have, have told us that they feel that we're extreme, we're radical, and we're dangerous. And I'm here to tell you, they're right. They're absolutely right. Because the silent majority is going to rise up and speak life again into this nation. And so David said, you're not, you're not defining who we are. He said, first of all, I'll tell you who you are. You are not the great Philistines. You are filthy, uncircumcised Philistines. Like for a Jewish boy, that's really nasty. That's, like, that's just nasty. And he said, we are not the army of Saul. We are the army of the living God. And that puts everything in perspective. He focused in on God. And he said, you're going down. This day, the Lord delivers. God's raising up a people that are digging in the heels and saying, enough is enough. We're going to take back what the enemy stole. And then one of my heroes is a man named Nehemiah. It's another picture of Canada. Jerusalem was in crisis. And Israel was in crisis. It was a mess. I mean, the walls had been torn down. The enemy had destroyed the temple, taken the items of worship. And everybody knew it. And nobody was doing anything. And then Nehemiah, he inquires, how are things back in Jerusalem? And they tell him, now, you see, it seems like as Christians in Canada, as long as we're doing okay, we and our family's doing okay, then, you know, we don't want to get involved in anything. Well, if there's ever anybody doing okay, it was Nehemiah. He was living in a palace. He was serving the king. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he was very comfortable. He wasn't doing this for him. And I can tell you what I'm doing right now. I'm not doing it for me and my wife. Because we're fine. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I think you know, everything's going to hold together if nobody does anything. And as long as we hold together. And, uh, you know, some, some people um, say they're going to live to 120. Rodney Howard Brown says after 90, everything starts leaking. And so I, I don't want to do that. So... <laughs> Who knows how long we'll be here, but, you know, there's an appointment sometime. So, but I've got, I've got, we've got four kids, we've got 12 grandchildren, and by the end of this year, we'll have 13 great-grandchildren. And, well, you know, whether you do anything or not, we're raising up our own army, so, you know, we're going to, we're going to just do it. But um, I don't want one of my great-grandchildren down the road to say, Papa knew what was happening. He saw it and he did nothing. He was comfortable. He did nothing. He sat back, retired. Mm -mm. No, no. I want them to at least say, well, he did everything he could. He ran all over the country. He, he did everything. And, and we will. We will. Nehemiah said, I got to do something. I got to go back. 
I got to go back to Jerusalem. And if I go back, God's going to help me. And there'll be a people that'll help me. And so he goes back and he gets a group of people that, that believed. And, and he gets the vision and they start building. The enemy said, you're not going to even be able to start. They started. And the enemy said, you're not going to do anything. And they were doing something. And then in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, it all came to a stop. The people of God that were doing it said, we can't do it. We can't do it. We're tired. We're tired. We don't have the strength anymore. Have you noticed how tired Christians are? And, you know, we excuse it. Well, yeah, we're tired. Of course we're tired. I mean, look at all that's happening. The enemy has stolen our joy. And most people will say, well, you can't have joy this is the season we need joy. Amen. This is the season we need joy. You see, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If he steals our strength, if he steals our joy, he steals our strength. And when he steals the strength, you want to give up. Yep. You want to quit. You're discouraged. But when you get happy, you know, I'm, I'm just going to preach myself happy tonight. <laughs> I do every night. And <laughs> I mean... Before I got out of bed in the, in the morning, I don't think about all the negative stuff. The Bible says if there's any praise, think on this. If there's any good report, think about this. If there's anything pure, I think about this. I get so encouraged. And then the first thing I do is put Louis Armstrong on. Before I put worship on, I put Louis on. And he sings, what a wonderful world. And I talk right back to him. I know he's dead, but I talk to him. And I say, you're right, you're right. It's a wonderful world. It's not a bad world. It's not an awful world. It's a wonderful world. And people are great. And it's going to get better. It's absolutely going to get better. So, so you know, Nehemiah comes back. And, and they're building. And now they're quitting. And they say, we can't do it. And this is what they said. Here's... here's Here's the Christian community in Canada, for the most part. There's too much rubbish. They were focusing in on the negative. God has not called. Like, I got a call from a pastor. We were going to his city. This was, we've already been there, and he was excited and happy. But before I went, he said, I'm just concerned about you coming. I said, well, what's your concern? that you're going to come and talk about COVID and vaccines and masks. I said, if you want somebody to come and do that, I can recommend some people. I know some people can do that really good. But I've decided not to know much about all that stuff. Like Paul, in the midst of a, all kinds of crazy stuff, he said, I just determined not to know anything except Jesus. Yeah. I, I mean, really. We focus in on the problem. We focus in on the, what the enemy's doing. Yeah. And then we divide and we fight over it. And, and so they're talking about all the rubbish. And as you, if you focus on the rubbish, you're going to get discouraged. Because I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of rubbish out there. And, and then, 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 listen to this. This is amazing. The Jews who lived near them came 10 different times and told them, yeah, they're going to get you. Yeah, they're going to. You, you might as well quit. You're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> Ten times they came. Well, who were these people? They were Jews. Well, just who were building the wall? Jews. Well, shouldn't they be helping them? 
but they're trying to get them to give up and quit. Who were these people? They were the Jews who lived near them, yeah. lived near the enemy. They lived near the enemy. They thought like the enemy, talked like the enemy, acted like the enemy, reacted like the enemy. And when anybody's going to do anything for God, they tried everything they could to get him to stop. With all due respect, we really don't have to be concerned about demons. We got Christians. Really, think, now think about it. I mean, you say, well, that, I don't believe that. Well, you try stepping out to do something great for God. You, you try stepping out to believe God for a miracle. You'll have Christians coming to you, doing everything to get you to give up. Oh, don't get your hopes filled up. We're here to build your hopes up. The gospel of Jesus is a message of hope. It builds people's hopes up. You can't have faith without hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you don't have hope, you can't have faith. And so they say, well, you know, this isn't a good time. You're going to launch out. You're going to do something. This is, it's not going to get any better out there. Read the book. It's going to get good in here, but out there. I'm just glad I'm part of this kingdom. We'll talk about that tomorrow. It, uh, yeah. But they... Just want you to give up. Well, like this is the best time to do anything for God. In fact, if you're going to do anything for God, you should do it soon. Like some people, I'm going to give one day. I'm going to go one day. I, well, we're running out of time, folks. This is not the end, but we're close to the end. And I tell you, most Christians... They die without ever fulfilling their dreams and visions and prophecies and promises and wonder why God didn't do it because they never stepped out. Miracles happen when you step out. Waters part when you step into them. But you'll have people do everything they can to hold you back. And so Nehemiah had a problem. Well, and the people of God said, we can't do it. You can't do it. And that's, that's what stirred my heart. If Christians in Canada are saying we've given up, then it's over. I mean, if Christians in Canada say we'd lost hope, then it's done. The enemy won. But I'm here to tell you, there's a message of hope that's going into the hearts of people right now. And it's life for them. So Nehemiah called them all together. He said, okay, this isn't time to talk about the rubbish. God has not called us to be specialists in this area or that area. He's called us to preach the gospel of Jesus. Nehemiah said, it's not time to talk about the rubbish. It's time to remember our God, who is great and awesome. I'm here to tell you, folks, it's time to turn our focus off the rubbish, off the stuff, and focus on our God, who is great and awesome. He still can do what cannot be done. He's still a God who does the impossible. He's still a God of miracles. And when there is no hope, there is hope because of him. He said, it's time to remember our God, how great he is, and time to fight for our family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We've got to get together. 
We've got to get together. The devil hates unity. He let people come in unity once in Acts chapter 2 and made a terrible mistake. Because look what happened. Well, he's doing a pretty good job now. Well, I don't know what he's doing. Or we're doing it ourselves. We're lack of unity. Well, how can I have unity? Like, people ask me, how can you be friends with this minister and that minister? Because we're all family. Like, you know, we've got natural family. I've got natural family. You've got natural family. And I got to tell you, um, I don't agree with a lot of stuff members of my natural family say or do. But when there's a crisis in our family, we all come together. Yeah, you know, I got a phone call about a month ago from a niece, and there was a situation with a family member in crisis. And guess what happened? Some of us hadn't really connected for a while. We all get together. We all got on the phone. We all started communicating and, and come up with a solution for this because we're family. Like, I, you know, the early church encourages me because they were in an upper room in unity in one accord. Do you know these people? That is a miracle. I mean, just look at the 12 that lived with Jesus. Several of them were really messed up. Like, like seriously, like this is like a little group here and their treasure was stealing their money, sold Jesus, and then committed suicide. That would kind of cause a ripple in the little group. And then I'm sure there were, there were, there'd be one or two of the disciples who said, I knew it, I knew it, I knew he was stealing money, I knew it. You know, I just love this. Paul, I love this. After every major event, I'll get a call from a prophetic person telling me they knew it was gonna happen. After it happened. I say, call me before it happens. I, that would be really impressive. Yeah. You know, call me before it happens and tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. And then, woo, <laughs> I knew it. So, so that would cause it. And then Peter, who's to be the leader, swears he doesn't even know Jesus. Do you want to go in a room with him? Like, wouldn't you have issues with him? Like, how could you do this? And then before Jesus was crucified, Two of the disciples bring their mother. Talk to them, Mom. Well, my boys are the best. You know, my boys are the best. So when you set up your kingdom, one of the... That would cause some tension. But they knew there was something bigger at stake. Rather than, you know, fighting over this or that or disagreeing on this or that. Because Jesus said, you're going to go in the entire world. And you're going to be witnesses. You're going to be proof that I'm alive. Because you're going to receive the Holy Spirit in the upper room and power. They knew that this was so important. It was more important than anything else. So they're willing to list all their differences aside, all their issues aside. Guys, there's a crisis. There's a crisis in the land. And we've got to get together. Yeah. We, we, we just got to get together now. We'll see Canada saved. I believe that. Yeah. You see, somebody said, well, 
I don't, I don't see that happening. Well, have you read Joel 2? It has not taken place yet. Yeah. It shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You can debate all night whether you think it's going to happen or not. When God says it shall and I will, it shall and he will. You can't stop it. There's not enough demons in hell to stop it. He said, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. When that happens, I mean, just you saw how quickly a virus or whatever you want to call it can shut down a world. Think how quickly. The power of God in a tsunami wave hitting this earth can change everything in an instant. It shall and he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. It's coming. And I've seen it. You see, Jacob's told you like 50 years ago, I saw it. People have tried to talk me out of it so much over the years. I've seen it. I've been in the future. It's clearer now. It's more alive now in me than ever. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm not stopping now. You know, you can be part of what God's going to do. It doesn't matter what your age is. God's raising up an army of seniors. They're going to dream again, be anointed again, start going again, start doing again. Because that's what it says. The old men are going to dream dreams. The Spirit of God's going to be poured upon the elderly people, as some people refer to us. Because you see, when an entire generation, an older generation decided they didn't want to enter in to what God had promised them, and we're going to die in the wilderness, there were two men, Joshua and Caleb, who said, we've come too far. We've done too much. We've believed too long. We're not going back. We're not going down the wilderness. We're going in. So I've told these young guys, well, Stephen, I've told Jacob and a number of young men that I walk with, I believe you're the generation's going to go in. I believe you're going to enter in things that we preached and prophesied about and dreamed about. You're going to enter in and possess them all. But you're not going without me. <laughs> seriously, seriously. You can see to be part of a chosen generation is a decision. Nothing to do with age. You say, well, you know, well, we're going to talk about that tomorrow too because some of you say, well, I'm not well enough. Well, you will be. You will be. You start doing something for God. So let me just share this and then we want to minister to you. This is, I'm hearing this a lot. I think it's too late, Bill. I think Ken has gone too far. I think it's, it's over. Can I introduce you to a man named Ezekiel and tell him it's too late? <laughs> it's one of the craziest stories in the Bible. I love it. This is history. Like, this really happened. Yeah. God takes him up to a hill and says, what do you see? And he looks down. Well, belly full of dry bones. <laughs> And then God takes him for a walk through this valley. And he discovers they're not just dead, they're dry. And the sun, they've been dead and dry so long that they're parched. And then God asks the most amusing question. Can these bones live again? 
any normal person would say no. Of course they can't live again. Look, they did live, and now they're dead, and they're dry, and they're parched. No. But normal people don't change history. Normal people don't take back nations. And when, when I walked in here tonight, and I looked at some of you, I thought, this is a good place, because you don't look normal. No, 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 no. <laughs> And you're so proud that you're not normal. That it's, yeah, you've done well, folks. <laughs> so, so listen, this, when God asks me a question, I know he's not looking for my wisdom. It's a setup. He knows the answer. And my, so he says to him, he says to Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Like, he didn't say no. But he didn't say yes. This is the perfect answer. Well, you know. <laughs> he said, you know. <laughs> you know the answer to that. <laughs> and so then, then God says, I want you to do something. This is crazy. Dead, dry, parched bones. Prophesy to them. Yeah. Prophesy. Speak life. One of our big problems right now is Christians are not speaking life and blessing. They're cursing. They're cursing our nation. They're cursing government leaders. It's got nothing to, like this has got nothing to do with what they're doing, the decisions they're making. Nothing to do with politics. We're not called to speak curses over anybody. And we won't see revival if we keep speaking curses. It's serious. Our words are important. They're life and death, blessing or cursing. And it's, it's terrible. Now, let's go right to it. Justin Trudeau. Stop it. I've met him a few times. I've talked to him. There's nothing to do with politics. I will not discuss politics with him. I don't like, I don't agree with anything that they've done. But when I'm with him, I speak blessing and life. I talk, listen, I talk to him about his family. I talk about his life. I talk about his children. Because I know God loves him. And God wants to save him like he wants to save everybody else. And that doesn't happen if Christians keep cursing. And it's the same with your premier. It's the same with your mayor. It's the same with any leaders. We are called to speak life. It's amazing what can happen if Christians start speaking life and blessing over dead, dry, parched bones. Now, if you're going to believe for miracles many times, you need to close your eyes. Because if you're looking at what you're seeing, it's going to really destroy you. Like if all you're doing is watching the news, you're not, you're not going to have a lot of faith. So, you know, it doesn't matter. It might be one of my grandchildren that needs to 
get back in. When I think of them, I close my eyes. And I see, I don't see them as they are. I see them preaching the gospel, casting out devils, healing the sick, doing more than I've ever done. I see them because that's where they're going to be. And when I, when I see political leaders, when I see regional leaders, when I see spiritual leaders, I don't see them as they are. I see them as they shall be. And I start prophesying life over them. Because something happens. So he's, he closes his eyes, I believe, and starts speaking life over these bones. And he hears a noise. And he looks and they're coming. To, they're moving. Dead, dry, parched bones are moving. They're coming together. Bone upon bone. Foot bone connected to the ankle bone. We played that in the car today. He said on the plane, I got to hear that again. He never heard that song. Dem bones, dem bones, dem dry bones. Now hear the word of the Lord. And so from the airport to the hotel, I put it on my phone, played it, and you sang it. You know the song. I mean, it connected all the bones. And see, now I don't know what your background is, but my background was, well, a christened Anglican, brought up United, baptized in water and Baptist, dead as could be. And, uh, our, you know, our church was dead. Um, there's, there's he goes to a Baptist church that would scare most Pentecostals. I mean, they're holy ghosts, they're fire, they're, and their pastor, his pastor's on our board of directors. He just, but um, we were the dead kind. And, uh, and the music was really just organ droning, you know. Well, then there was a special service one night up in the Pentecostal church. I've never been there. Didn't even know what they wear. And went up to a service and, oh, wow, the music. I mean, they were happy. They were actually enjoying it. I didn't know you were supposed to enjoy church. We were enduring it one hour a week. Like I tapped my foot once to the organ, and my mother slapped me. Because, well, see, they were the, they were the days when, before kids had rights. So, you know, we were brought up that way. She said, stop it, you're in church. So uh, th these people had their hands up. They were clapping, some were dancing. I mean, the music was amazing. And then our pastor would bring f Southern gospel groups in. I'd never heard of such a thing in my life. I loved it. I bought all their 33 and a third long playing albums and took them home playing them. And, but see, my, the church that I was a part of, I said, how do you know you're going to heaven? And they said, well, you can't know for sure. Just uh, work hard in the church and hope for the best. So I did. <laughs> I wanted to go to heaven. So I, I was a Sunday school teacher. I was young people's president. I was just young teen, but um, young people's president on the board of junior deacons, I ushered in every service. I helped dig the hole for the sign out in the front lawn. I, I'd do anything because I want to go to heaven, and I still didn't know. That night, the first night I went to this Pentecostal church, I invited Jesus into my life, and I found out the leaders in my church were wrong. You can know. You can know. These things are written that you can know. Those that have the Son of Life, those that do not have the Son of God don't have life. And that, from that moment on, and that was a long time ago. Um, I knew. And I've never questioned it since. I know where I'll be 10,000 years from now. But this music. So I'm going up the Pentecostal church Sunday nights. But I'm still doing everything at the Baptist church. Sunday mornings during the week. And because um, and they, they thought I was just going through a little phase. 
you see, and uh, he'll get over this and settle down. <laughs> and so I, we had, I think it was a Saturday, we had a young people's thing going on at night. So I go to the church um, around noon, early afternoon, and down the basement, the church is empty, and I, I'm setting up for the night. And I put the record player on, and of course you put it on as loud as it'll go. And, and that one song, this one group sang this song, you know, Ezekiel's bones, them bones, and connecting all the bones. I just love that. And somebody said, do you sing? Well, I sang with that group in the basement of the Baptist church. Because my thing is, if you don't sing well, you don't sing good, sing loud. And so <laughs> I sing at the top of my voice. And when we got, when we got all the bones connected, this, you know, we, I take the needle, and I put it back and we do it again. I just kept doing it over, totally oblivious of time, everything else. And so I'm singing and they're singing and it's loud, it is so good. And this man rushes through the door, dressed in a black suit, white shirt, dark tie, and he didn't look happy. And he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm singing about Ezekiel's bones. He said, there's a funeral going on upstairs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that wasn't, that was really not, I didn't know. I didn't, they, they apparently, while I was down there having my party, they arrived. What? You're good. Am I good? Yeah. Well, thank you, you're good too. Yeah. What'd I do? Oh, well, what happened? Your power flickered. Yeah. Oh. Lights flickered. I thought I blinked. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they arrived when I was downstairs. And get the picture. It's terrible. They bring the casket in. The family comes, sits there, sobbing. The organ playing quietly. And up through every vent in the floor comes dim bones, dim bones, dim drive. It's terrible. Really. <laughs> Awful. So, so the decision was made. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> decision was made that I would probably fit in better at that other church. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't have to do any of this stuff anymore. I got a whole new bunch of friends at a new church, and a couple of them said, you'll be back in a couple of weeks, and uh, well, they're all, all the ones that were waiting are dead now, so, <laughs> but, so when you receive Holy Spirit, ask for wisdom, I didn't have any, I didn't have any, and it really, it really helps, so, so the bones come together, and then skin comes on the bones, and they stand up. And, you know, Ezekiel could have spent the rest of his life traveling around telling people about this. And then we say, and then what? Well, nothing. What do you mean nothing? Well, they were still dead, but it was amazing. I mean, that is amazing. And then he said something. God said, prophesy to the wind. Folks, we've got to do more than... Call on Holy Spirit again to come. This is time for Holy Spirit. When the enemy comes in as a flood, he will raise up a standard by his spirit. This, this is not a time. 
This is not a time to back away from Holy Spirit, from the gifts of the Spirit, from signs and wonders. This is a time to become Book of Acts Pentecostal Christians again. If we're going to do what they did, we have to have what they had. We've got to prophesy the wind. The same wind that blew through that upper room and transformed 120 people. Same wind that brooded over the face of this earth when it was empty and void and without purpose and dark. And if Holy Spirit could do that to this earth. Think what he can do with us if he blows over our life. Think what he can do in Grand Prairie. Think what he can do in Alberta and in Canada. If we, somebody has to start prophesying. You see, you say, well, God can just do it. He didn't do it. He had to have a man who when everybody else said it was hopeless and everybody else said it was too late to stand up and prophesy life to the bones and believe that they can live again and it can be what God intended and then prophesy to the Holy Spirit to blow. It's time, folks, for the church to rise up and start prophesying. Here's the scripture. Arise and shine. We said... We sang it, we stand on guard, but it's time that we, the watchmen of this nation, stand up and stop being the silent majority. There's a lady named Mae West that was a motion picture star before they were talking in motion pictures. And her reputation was she was a sex symbol of her day. And then when they started talking movies, she was in some of them with a man named W.C. Fields. And um, I don't remember, I'm too young to remember those, but my wife tells me all about them, so. <laughs> We're not live streaming, I can say whatever I want, right? <laughs> I just feel freedom here. And um, so at, when Miss West was in her 80s, People's Magazine interviewed her. And they said, Miss West, what do you think of the motion pictures today? The sex, the nudity, the violence, the language. And I figured she'd say, wow, I think it's great. Wish we could have done that. This is what she said. I don't like it. I think it's really bad. We would have never been allowed to do it in our day. The church would not have allowed us to do it. And Mae West said, where is the church today? I wonder sometimes if God isn't saying that. Where's the church today? We quote the scripture, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Every time something happens, the gates of hell not prevail against you. Well, the gates of hell are prevailing. Have you noticed? Have you noticed what's happening in a, inside the church with our families, our marriages, our, our kids, our grandkids? The gates of hell are prevailing. Look what's happening in the nation. Because he didn't stop there. He said, I give you the keys. Yeah. Like this young man may be my assistant. Don't tell him this. But he's in charge. Because he's got the keys. Like I couldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't get to the airport without him. Like, you know, I can be ready to go if he's not ready. Well, he's always ready. 
But that's, yeah, but he, when you got the keys, you're in charge. Doesn't matter. He gave us the keys. And he said, whatever you bind is bound, whatever you loose is loose. It's time Christians realize the authority that we have. We're not a bunch of poor, weak sinners. All the power of the Godhead is inside of us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I mean, he's called us for this hour. We've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. This is it. And this will be the church's greatest hour. The best years for the church of Jesus Christ in Canada are not behind us or not now. They're ahead of us. I'm here to tell you, I'll prophesy that. I'll prophesy that. Arise and shine for your light or your fire has come. Yeah. And the glory of God has risen upon you. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. The glory of God. Come on. Here, here's a picture. Darkness shall cover the earth. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Deep darkness upon the people. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But that changes everything. The Lord will arise over you. Yeah. Yeah. There was a point in history when he said, I'm looking for a man, a person. Stand the gap. Make up the hedge. They won't destroy the nation. Folks, it's time that we say, God, I'm in. I'm in. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to give in. Up. I'm not going to give in. I don't believe it's over. I believe it's going to happen. I believe the greatest. I believe the revival that we're going to see will be greater than the Book of Acts, the Welsh Revival, the Azusa Street, and all the other great revivals all put together. What we're about to see is this is the big one. We get to write the last chapters of the book of Acts. It's not finished yet. This is not over yet. But we've got, we've got, to, we've got to come together and we've got to say we're going to stand on guard for what's happening on our watch right now. We're responsible. I mean, don't, let's not brag about, you know, how dark it is or complain how dark it is. We're the light. Let's, let's not talk about how unsavory it is. We're the salt. Like, we're just saying, I failed. <laughs> but it's not over. We're getting up. And we're digging in our heels. And we're joining our hearts and our hands together. There, there's a scripture that says, if any two will agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done. We're going to agree together that Canada shall be saved. God's looking for a nation that he can use as an example. He's, he's looking for a city that he can use as an example. He's looking for a group of people he can use as an example. And we talked today, why not here? Why not now? We, I believe this is significant time, folks. And, and I, know, like, I know I'm going long tonight, but I mean, excuse me, I've only got the one night here with you, and this is urgent. This is really, really important. I mean, we've got to get this in our hearts and spirit. And I've said to Jacob, everywhere we go, there'll be some that don't get it, but there'll be a core of people that will get it, and their life will change, and they're going to say, we're in, and we're, we're, gonna, we're at war here, folks. And, and we can't act like we're at a picnic anymore. <laughs> we're at war. And, and the thing is, you're designed for war. You're created for war. I better stop. Because, no, no, see, if I keep going, I'm going to start preaching soon. And I, I don't want to do that. Not this tonight. It's just, you're just too nice. And uh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you're in this house.
that while I've been talking, you've been moving, you've been ministering, you've been touching. Thank you from the front to the back, from one side to the other. And God, we start by saying thank you for Canada. Thank you for this great nation. There are people all over the world that would give anything to live here. And we get to live here. Many of us were born here, we we're raised here, we'll die here, and many have come here because it's such a great nation. And, and we, know you're, we know where we're headed. We know the future. We know that Canada's gonna be shaken by a great revival before the end. And so the choice is, are, are we gonna be part of it or not? And, and so God, tonight, know our hearts. And there's a people who said, yeah, God, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it means, but I'm in. I, I want to be part. I want to be part of a revival that's going to turn the nation around. And, and God said to Ezekiel, if I can do this with these dead, dry bones, think what I can do for Israel. And I say to you tonight, if he can do that for Israel, think what he can do for Canada. It's not over and it's not too late, but somebody has to start speaking life, blessing, and call on Holy Spirit to move again. He shall... Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.